Hi, everybody. It's Jean Nathan. This is Crosstown Conversations with news about New Orleans that counts about our economy, our environment, our culture, and some occasional politics. So we are in Carnival, so of course we're going to talk about it. And um, we have Arthur Hardy scheduled. He's the encyclopedia of Carnival, and so he just, you know, there's a lot that we want to know. Um, but we're also going to talk about the challenges that are going on here that make Carnival so important for us to get a break. Um, and that has to do with um, the plans of the Port of New Orleans to build a containerized shipping facility on the banks of the Mississippi in St. Bernard, right in the middle of an historic black neighborhood for one, and um, also uh, in a position in the river that's not a good place to put big, big containerized sh ships that when you turn them and when they have to go back down the river, they, they can just block up the whole darn place. So um, we've got our challenges and we have our celebration and that is definitely uh, um, part of um, the way I talk about things. So uh, welcome to the show. Not the hardy first. going to be an interesting Mardi Gras <laughs> if it opens this way. Hopefully, hopefully it will not. Arthur, how long have you been a key uh, researcher, analyst, and purveyor of information um, ex exotic and, and fundamental for uh, our Mardi Gras season? How many years? We started the magazine in 1976, the actual first edition was 1977. So this is our, our 48th uh, annual Mardi Gras guide. And, uh, <laughs> oh my God, look at it, folks. And tell everybody immediately where to get it. Well, anywhere that sells magazines uh, or books. And we actually, in April, my wife and I sold the magazine to the Times Picayune. But um, Oh, okay. They're uh, help? allowing me to continue to run it and do all the fun stuff. And they're doing all the heavy lifting with printing and sales and distribution and ads and all. So it's a really good deal for us. And, uh, uh, you know, we want to take it to the 50th anniversary if it's two more years. I'll be 80 years old and perhaps time to call it a day, but they have an option. So maybe we'll keep going. Who knows? Well, I just made 80 this summer too. And look at us, we're kicking. And uh, and therefore I totally understand that uh, Biden can, can handle uh, what he has to handle with all the staff that he has. Right, because he has all the brilliant minds in the world. Let's talk about this Mardi Gras. What do you see coming um, in general? Just, uh, you know, what we've had, uh, I don't know about everybody else. I had such a difficult year because of health problems in the family. So I, I, I don't have any um, sound judgment of what everybody else is going through. But 
I, I get the feeling that post-pandemic has been what I call the post-pandemic pandemic. So how is that affecting our, our Mardi Gras this year so far? Hardly at all. I mean, Mardi Gras has never, never been bigger or healthier. Really? <clears throat> parades this year four, actually. And um, it just looks like a great season, you know. And, and the good news is, is now all of the crews in Orleans Parish have returned to their original routes. That you know, we have that's short- very important. Yeah. Last year at the last minute we got the routes, so now it's, it's locked in. So that that means so much to these parades that work all year and and don't want to shorten route. They want their the complete route, particularly crews like Toth uptown, where you know the crew shut in for a past children's hospital and other places and. It um, it's important for them. That's kind of their mission. So that's the good news, and it seems to be permanent now that all parades are back where they belong. So um, I think that it's it's uh, it's very interesting what you said about how they work on this all year because I want people to remember <clears throat> who are not um, heavy duty Mardi Gras engaged folks that this is this is a job for many people. This is a lot of work. It's a lot of money raising. It's a lot of design. It's a lot of marketing. It's a lot of production. It's it's everything. And every single parade engages hundreds and hundreds of people. So tell, give me a little bit on the economic value and impact of how this all works, and then we'll go into the fun stuff. Well, on January 6th at the Mayor's Annual uh, King Cake Party and press conference, uh, uh, Professor Tony Weiss from Tulane uh, released the results of a Mardi Gras economic impact study funded by New Orleans and Company and the mayor's own advisory committee, the Cruz himself. And according to her numbers, which she says are conservative, it, Mardi Gras pumps nearly $900 million into the economy. And for every dollar the city of New Orleans spends, it gets $2.63 in return. So that's a bonanza. It's like having several Super Bowls, and we get it every year. We don't have to bid on it, we don't have to pay fees to get it, you know, it's ours. And it's it's just a blessing financially. Of course, we know it's more than that, but uh, it is important to our economy, no doubt about it. 3% of our uh, gross national product for um, City of New Orleans. Yeah, I don't recall the number at the moment of, of how much the film industry pumps in, which is also a huge number. And everybody uh, especially learned that during this past year, during the strikes, <clears throat> but it's up there. Yeah. So a lot of times when people say, oh, everybody in the city is too busy doing Mardi Gras and having fun. And I have to say, folks just don't understand economic development, especially in the arts. And, and this is not just Mardi Gras, but everything else to do with the arts. Folks don't really understand how incredibly important because you have so many different trades in the city that are engaged. Give me some, just give me a little short list of some of the different kinds of trades involved. I mean, think about it, from float builders to costume designers to, to ancillary things like tuxedo rental shops, uh, florists, hairdressers, limousines. I mean, it's on and on and on. Beer companies will sell more beer two weeks of Mardi Gras than, you know, the next six months. I mean, and it's really hard to get accurate numbers because for many reasons, <clears throat> a lot of people, it's a cash business and they don't want to divulge how much they're making. It's also a competitive business. So sometimes... You know, uh, Mardi Gras throw shop A doesn't want Mardi Gras throw shop B to know just how many containers they're importing from China. So that they will either underestimate or overestimate uh, a report the, the number. So, you know, but but uh, Tony Weiss did a great job in our staff at Tulane. We've got a, you know, a, a firm number that we can hang our hat on. 
knowing that it's impossible to measure all of it. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about the fun part. What uh, What do we have on tap for this year? Um, what What are you most excited about? What's the most innovative thing, or maybe just something that's developed and been developing that's now gotten even hotter? Yeah, I think uh, environmentally friendly throws have become a really big thing. City has a good recycle program now. Uh, along the uh, uptown parade route, there are going to be six stations where giant recycle bins where you can put uh, cans and glasses and, and beads and other things, and, and that's certainly a, a good deal. Um, we have three new parades in Jefferson, and I know uh, people are more interested in New Orleans and Jefferson, but Jefferson has a healthy Mardi Gras. Two of those are on the West Bank. It, in Covington, they've got a major parade now on Fat Tuesday. It's, it's you know, that city's always been known for family-friendly Mardi Gras and, and kind of a home-style uh, celebration. This year, they've got a major 25-float uh, parade that's going to be on Fat Tuesday. <clears throat> I think What's the name of it? I feel good. It's called the Crew of Bugger Falaya, which Say it again? The Crew of Bugger Falaya, like the river. And oh, oh, right, right. And there are a lot of anniversaries this year. Uh, we saluted one on the cover of our magazine. It's actually the 325th anniversary of Mardi Gras in Louisiana. Um, in 1699, when Iberville landed 60 miles south of where New Orleans would be built, 18 years, 19 years later, he named it Point du Mardi Gras because it was March 3rd and it was, they were celebrating back in France. So we can legitimately say Mardi Gras came here 325 years ago. And there's some parades that have anniversaries. It's Carrollton's 100th anniversary, fourth oldest parading crew. Uh, it was a, it was of course a neighborhood parade, and now is a major downtown uptown parade. Mid City, 90th anniversary, another former neighborhood parade. It hasn't been in Mid City since 2002. <clears throat> Excuse me, and Okeanos, 75th anniversary. They used to parade on Saint Claude Avenue. Everybody now is uh, wanting to be on that standardized route, and it works. It works well for the crowd, particularly for the police. And then another uh, uh, author, just for the sake of my um, my my print piece, that uh, that's my real challenge. That's due today. Um, repeat for me those anniversaries. Okay, um, Carrollton is a hundred, and yep. Mid City's ninety. Mm-hmm. Giannis is seventy-five, and of course, all this is in our magazine. We did stories on each of them. Gene, this year is also the 75th anniversary of Louis Armstrong reigning as King of Zulu in 1949. There's going to be a special float in the Zulu parade suiting, uh, saluting him. And I think that's kind of neat. Absolutely. Uh, that was a biggie. Yep. And there's some new walking clubs. You know, these preseason parades have become quite grand and very artistic. And, you know, we hear a lot about equity and diversity and inclusion. There's no celebration on planet Earth more diverse, inclusive, and equitable than Mardi Gras. I mean, hell, is something for everybody. Um, and You know, you know not- a lot of people, when you first come here, when I first came, came here, I have to admit that I looked down my nose a little bit at the idea of these fancy people on the floats throwing junk to, um, you know, the, the plebeians on the street. And that was until I was out there once with um, a member of Rex who was grabbing for beads like everybody else on the street. And it dawned on me that it was it was about as engaging of everybody as you can get because you're you're on the float one day and you're in the streets the next. 
or you just sit on your porch and cook and watch people go. You know, uh, during COVID, I just my husband's health was such that I really couldn't risk being out there. So we we held court on our porch on Esplanade. You know, and I put on my regalia. He put on some less than me, but a, a little bit. And we just waved at people and 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 collected pictures of them in their costumes. And that was our Mardi Gras, and we were perfectly happy with it. Well, we always choose to celebrate rather than surrender to COVID or Katrina or any, any other thing. You know, Mardi Gras has only been canceled 14 uh, years since the first parade in 1857. You know, minor interruptions like the Civil War and World War One. It's like it takes a lot. And of course, COVID, which was the right thing to do. But, you know, even if you're a, a, a spectator, if you don't belong to an organization, you still become a participant at, at Mardi Gras. And that's you know, and sooner or later, you're going to do your own little walking group, even if you just do it literally within blocks of your house. St. Anne Parade started out that way, and then it became one of the big attractions. I never miss St. Anne Parade because that's all my kind of art buddies that are in that one. And I want to see what crazy costumes they came up with. Speaking of crazy costumes, let's talk about... Um, any kind of special costumes or uh, throws or, you know, again, the things that we all crave? Well, I don't know costume-wise what, you know, always politicians, uh, you know, you'll see a lot of Trump and Biden costumes, I'm sure, but I don't know if there are any... This is Roast the Paul's time. <laughs> action figures or something. In terms of throws, uh, beads have become kind of passe. People just leave them on the ground. Uh, the balloons have made a little bit of a comeback. Many crews are doing what's called cutout balloons, where it doesn't even look like a balloon. It's, it's in the shape of something. It's a ship or a truck or a board to leave. And crew logo merchandise is, is the thing now. People want something that says the crew of Toth on it, on Muses, or Femme Fatale, or Pygmalion. You know, you know, they want something that says, I was at this parade, and its name is on it right here. And you know, it, it's funny, but people have become almost jaded. I've got a buddy of mine who rides, and he said, you know, the parade will stop, and people come up and say, look, I want more. And he, he says, hey, man, this ain't Walmart. <laughs> you know, you... <laughs> shopping, shopping the floats. So anyway, it's, but it's all fun. And, uh, you know, I, I wish we could really know how much people spend on throws. I mean, I, I don't know. Anybody that doesn't spend at least a thousand dollars on drugs, which could be double what their dues are, you know. So, uh, it's just a you know, this is a horrible business model. Where else would you go and have to pay dues for the privilege of giving things to strangers, you know, and you have to wear a mask so nobody knows who you are? I mean, it's it's insane, <laughs> but that's who we are, that's what we do. And well, there's, there's two sides now, given that we are. <laughs> acknowledging that everybody's engaged and, it, and it's equitable and, and diverse in that sense. However, um, there is a, there's a secret side to Mardi Gras, right? There are certain uh, crews that don't, don't even re reveal who's marching or who's riding um, and, uh, or even who's king and queen uh, in, in some cases. So um, there is that side of it. And we're still kind of grappling with that. I remember the days of, of Dorothy, uh, May Taylor trying to open things up and, and she got skewered for it. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm trying to call. But I, you know, I have to take it. Just, it. Give me two seconds. I'm in the middle of the room. Right. I actually, I'm going to hit the pause button. I'm just going to let it run. I'll tell my guy and take it out. 
Yeah, well, there, there are some of the older organizations that date from the 1800s. Um, the Queen's name is revealed in a picture in the paper, but the King is always secret. And that's kind of fun. It doesn't hurt anybody. Um, and, you know, if that's all it was, I'd have a problem. But, the, again, there's something for everybody. You know, that's maybe, I don't know, 10% of the crews are like that, and the others are wide open. Uh, some have closed membership because if your grandfather wasn't a member, you're, you're not going to be a member. Right. And uh, if there's only 200 spots on the float, how can you open it up to new people? Now, you can say, well, that's discrimination, but you only have that many spots on the float. So what do you do? So the solution to that has been, as we know, all the new crews that have come along, um, organized by, in some cases, you know, people with some a serious uh, cloud of their own. Um, you know, uh, when um, Harry Connick Jr. started um, his parade, Orpheus, that was a big deal. And it's, it goes on till today. I, I think that um, music also gets a huge uh, kick in the behind in a good way. Uh, from from Mardi Gras. So there's musicians in every parade, all the school bands, uh, walking clubs. And I don't know, most of my um, uh, women who have worked for me over the years, my my part-timers, my um, they, they all have had uh, some kind of um, engagement that uh, has, has been important in their lives as, as well as everybody else watching. But they often have their little marching bands with them. It's, it's great to be a musician in this town at Mardi Gras. As a former high school band director, you know, I'm watching a bunch of plays. Is that right? Wow. And as a teacher, and, you know, it, it, you get more exposure in one parade than 100 football games and 1,000 concerts. So people, it's a good PR vehicle for, for your school and band program. And the kids love it. And always I like to make the point that the bands are paid, the high school bands, but not the students. The money goes to the school. And uh, although, you know, some bands will get $4,000 for doing a parade, when you subtract the cost of buses, which you have to rent, and that could be from a pickup. Well, if they can pay um, uh, football uh, students, they can pay our music students. I think that sounds like a campaign for someone to launch. Not me, but uh, it's it's a... Or, but... But it's expensive to march in a parade. You have possible damage to the instruments, to uniforms. Uniforms have to be Oh, uh, yeah. But it's a great PR view. I've actually, um, my husband and I have helped to pay for uniforms at John McDonough High School when they were marching. And um, now the Brick Lodge kids, of course, that are there now, they're marching. Everybody everybody is one way or another marching. <clears throat> or um, the other thing is is uh, the images, the photography, the um, they, uh, I'm sure that a lot of uh, film uh, get, get done here one time or another, engage uh, the parade. So it's just a wonderful time. What's your favorite thing coming up this year? Same thing as every year. It's the people. It's not, seriously, it's not, the, I mean, the parades are this. People are this. <laughs> the smells, the sounds. I, I mean, I take my eyes off the clothes and look around and try to engage with you. You know, we'll become, we all become children again in life. And you can become friends with the person uh, next to you. You, you. One of the two of you might grab for each other's uh, um, throws, but next thing you know, you're sharing that throw with somebody near you, a young child that you feel is going to be so delighted to have it, right? Every year people meet on that same corner and they might not see each other for the entire year, but might not even know each other's name. But 
here we are again. That was one of the tough things after Katrina when you were on that corner and you didn't see your buds from last year and you didn't know. Oh, uh, yeah. Right. right. No. Um, and that was that was the most emotional Mardi Gras ever when people held up signs saying thank you to the Ford Brothers Brothers. Uh, right. And I just hope this year, now we're having a surge. <laughs> a little surge. I, I looked at the uh, newspapers yesterday to see what was going on with that. And it's not nearly like the surge we were having before and in terms of hospitalizations and deaths. So people are getting it. I have I have many friends who have uh, had it recently. The only thing I worry about for them is that long COVID, which I have had. And I know what a what a torture that can be. The, the chronic fatigue part in particular was, of course, I had other things going on that were uh, contributing it to that. I'm looking forward to this as always, ever since I figured it out that it wasn't elitist. It is in part, there's no doubt about it. And in terms of the certain crews, as you said, you couldn't be in if your grandfather was in there, but you can always start your own. Start your own or join one. You know, it's a right. members on the internet. So you can find a you can find a place to party, believe it. <laughs> right. You know my my solution to that? Pedicams. Uh, for several years, Tannen and I have uh, rented a pedicab and tooled all over town and, and not had to worry about parking and not had to try to walk when Tannen can barely do that. So, <laughs> um, Arthur Hardy, um, uh, one of the uh, royalty of, um, of Mardi Gras, and I'm so glad to hear about your, uh, your continued relationship with the Times-Picayune. Thank you to John George's and that whole crew and, and, and being supportive of our community. So, yay. It's just yay, yay, yay. And have a great time. Right, and I will, I will, too. Sitting on my porch, you can come by and you'll see me in my... I have just, I have a top that's just covered with the billy beads. My daughter... Uh, my daughter and son were inspired by the check beads from uh, 30 years ago, and they um, make all these beads and uh, uh, all kinds of crazy things. And, um, and 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 I plaster them all over a similar just little you know black um, polar fleece top and uh, look pretty royal myself. So I, if I must say so myself. <laughs> oh, I didn't hear your voice. Another way to celebrate. You have your own. You find a way. You got to find a way. Thank you so much and be careful and enjoy and um, see you next year. I'm Rob Shuala with Save Our St. Bernard, a group that includes thousands of residents in St. Bernard Parish that's fighting this project. We formed about three years ago and the people that have stepped forward to get our message out was phenomenal. All our volunteers to our group, everybody that signed a petition for our group were amazing people that got our message out there to the public and the people of St. Bernard. And I cannot be more proud to have led this group of people in fighting this battle. And I thank each one of y'all out there that's a member of our group and the ones that work so long hard to fight this battle. I want to thank our elected officials. I want everybody to understand and notice they're all standing behind us. They're standing behind us, guys. We have Mike Bingham, our state representative, that 100% with us. 
We got our sheriff's office, Jimmy Coleman, 100% with us. We got administration, parish president, 100% with us. And we got our council, 100% with us. And thank goodness we got Billy Nungessa, where we met about a year ago, and he saw what was going on and said, it didn't take a rocket science, he says, to see that this is in the wrong place. Thank goodness for Billy, because you know, us people here saying, no, we don't have much of a mouth speed, do we? we? We yell and scream, but we're nobody to the rest. But Billy's gonna be our voice, and I thank him so much for stepping forward to lead, leading us, okay? I wanna thank Guy McGinnis and the parish administration um, and council that commissioned this report and had the study done. Since plans for the massive container terminal were announced, we've asked for critical information from the Port of New Orleans about this project. We often received conflicting information from them, or the information they said didn't exist, and they get back to us later. And y'all know, y'all see my posts if y'all follow, the frustration I've had with dealing with the Port of New Orleans with the, with the deceased and the misinformation they've given us. And uh, that's what we've been having. We've raised our concerns about traffic, the lack of infrastructure, the business case, the environmental impact, and the economic impact. And most of the time, we were told the answers would come later. And I've been in the business, as most of y'all know, for 40 years. And I understand about the jobs. I understand about the economic impact. Y'all, seriously, got y'all buying what the Port of New Orleans is telling y'all. I got some land in, in the swamp land, I'll tell you. Because I've been in this business and I've been to all the ports throughout the United States and even in Europe. And uh, everything they're saying is, is not true. So we couldn't allow this project to get so far along and have so much inertia and money behind it that it couldn't be stopped. Because everybody knows that's what the Port of New Orleans is trying to do. They're trying to get, to the, get this thing approved so they can start building and then we're going to be too late. This expert report and John Vickerman, again, is the premier consultant in Fort, uh, Port Building. He basically wrote the book on Port Building. This report is from a credible source to say that we were right. This project is not right for St. Bernard, and it's not right for our state in a location being proposed by the Port of New Orleans. We've been saying all along, it needs to be closer to the mouth of the river. These big ships are not going to come up to Bottle, Louisiana, and unload their cargo. They are not going to come up. They cannot come up the river. That's a farce that they, when every time they say they're gonna bring ships of all sizes, they are not. Trust me, they are not gonna bring these ships up this river to Bob. It's just jurisdiction we talked about, Port and Law's jurisdiction. But we got a report here that says, oh, they got, I don't know, 14, 15 sites that are much better suited to attract these. Now we're talking about business in the future, guys, okay? What we've done in the past, and I tell Port New Orleans all the time that y'all got 50-year strategy going on, 50-year-old strategy. We need to look at the future. These ships are getting bigger. They don't want to come up the river. 
they want to unload their, their, their cargo and they want to get back out and get on their way because that's what it's all about, saving money. And this is why I'm so proud to stand with these elected officials. Each of our local officials signed the SOS pledge while they were campaigning. And we look forward to working alongside them to see it through. This fight is being waged on behalf of the thousands of SOS members for our St. Paul Parish who have signed on to protect our community. Our SOS legal team, led by Cindy Torres, continues to pursue our battle in court without charging legal fees to stop the Port of New Orleans from devastating our parish. And lastly, I'd like to thank all the supporters of SOS. This is truly a grassroots movement of thousands of everyday people who are standing up against money and power to say no, not in our community. Together, we've helped elect officials to represent our interests. We filed a lawsuit that we've asked to go before the Supreme Court of the State of Louisiana, and we're not letting up. Thank you. study it, help get the information out there to put out St. Bernard's narrative on this and the, and the narrative of a court expert that stands, that agrees with our position. This concludes the press conference. We appreciate everyone for being here today. We'll be around if anyone has any questions thereafter. And, uh, sorry? Questions? The report being publicly presented today shines a bright light on the ill-conceived plan by the Port of New Orleans to develop a massive mega-container terminal 83 miles upriver in the middle of a residential community. Why did the Port of New Orleans choose this site? Simply because they can't get one further down river that they control. <clears throat> but the port, the, the report concludes that this container terminal would be a strategic mistake for our state and indeed our nation. With the past resources, the Mississippi River, the report says, we have an opportunity as a state and nation to do this right. The report includes a map identifying possible alternative locations further down the river that would better serve our state and nation and not just the Port of New Orleans. This is not a dumb deal. They have not addressed the serious safety concerns of turning vessels around at mile 83. They have not addressed the serious environmental concerns raised by the EPA in public comments. And most importantly, they have not yet developed the complicated transportation system for both truck and rail that would be required to move the millions of containers per year 
Yet they're asking the Corps of Engineers to proceed with its review of their plan without this missing link. The Mississippi River Gulf Outlet, one of the Port of New Orleans ill-conceived plans that we here in St. Bernard remember all too well, not only destroyed massive amounts of our wetlands, but it also destroyed communities throughout the metropolitan area. And it was a complete financial fiasco. We will not stand by and let that happen again. We will fight and expose their ill-conceived plan in the courts of law, in public opinion, and before every regulatory agency. We will share this report with all of our public officials, state and national. And we will prevail because their plan is so egregiously wrong financially, environmentally, and because it would destroy a historic and culturally rich parish. Thank you. You know, I, I, I always thought that I would do a lot more music on the show because I used to present music. I love the music of New Orleans. It's one of the top reasons I'm here. Um, so today we're going to, um, oh, we're going to play some music. Um, I hope we're going to play what I want to play, which is a recording of music from the mouth of the river to the Delta. And if I put my hands on that, you'll hear that. And if not, um, we'll find some other stuff to um, enjoy for a, a little bit. Uh, for the show. I just think it's time for music. All right? This is Gene Nathan. It's Crosstown Conversations. Please enjoy some carnival. <laughs> <laughs> 